Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 97, Subs and Security, recorded April 30th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to answer a listener question, listener suggestion. I'm not sure which it is. Uh, we're going to talk about something a listener suggested, and we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about um, substitute teachers and how they fit in this grand scheme of network security. So, uh, and, and I've brought in a ringer tonight. Not only do I have my usual, Mr. Sean Keibel. Uh, hi, Sean. How's it going? Good. It's great to be here as usual. Awesome. And the uh, previously mentioned ringer is Miss Christy Vincent, host of our EduMatters podcast and teacher extraordinaire. Hi, Christy. Hi, Mark. Welcome. I'm not sure about the extraordinaire part, but I'll try hard. Well, we'll... Uh it's, you know, it's all marketing. You can say anything and, and, and make it true. Uh, so I brought Christy on for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, um, she's prettier than Sean, um, so that helps. Uh, but <laughs> secondly, uh, she is not only a former classroom teacher, but is now con- uh, 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 regularly in the position of being a sub, of moving in, in and out of classes. And so she has experience at this from, from both ends. And uh, neither Sean and I uh, live in the classroom, so I thought it would be nice to have that input there. So welcome, Christy. Thank you very much. All right. Very excited to be here. I, I can tell. I can see it on your face. You're just lighting up the room. Um, but before we get started, Google dropped a, a, a bomb on us since our last podcast, uh, and that is they released uh, Google Drive, the much-anticipated Google Drive. But it turns out not to be anything like what people thought Google Drive would be. We were hoping it would just be you know, cloud storage or maybe a Dropbox replacement or something like that, but it turns out it's really way more than that. So, uh, Sean, why don't we start with your impressions of Google Drive? Well, uh, yeah, I, you know, saw the rumors, uh, well, not really rumors, the reports across all the social networks about uh, people, you know, seeing Google Drive pop up in their account. And uh, first I was offended because I wasn't one of the first. So <laughs> uh, from the time I saw the first reports, uh, it, took, it took me about uh, maybe the next day. I got it the, the day after. And uh, so... It, it was a little confusing at first because I was trying to figure out exactly what happened. I mean, other than it looking a little bit different, uh, it wasn't real evident on the surface uh, what exactly was going on there. Uh, so, uh, Mark, I know uh, probably the same, uh, you know, uh, the same applies to you, but, you know, we've spent basically the last week uh, trying to figure that out. So, uh, one, I listened to Security Now, and Steve Gibson gives a real nice breakdown of that. Uh, and then uh, I'll just start off the top. So you get five gigs free. And uh, with a lot of these cloud storage solutions, that's pretty much a standard now is five gigs free. And you get up to 25 gigs for, uh, they say, Google says less than uh, 250 a month. Um, uh, but the first thing off the top that I think of is you get 10 gigs in Gmail. Uh, more than that, I'm up to 20 plus gigs in my Gmail. Right. I've got 10 in mine, which I'm using, you know, like 3% of it. But uh, so that's, that just seemed odd to me, uh, you know, being Google, being that they obviously have the resources. And if they're really trying to move strongly into this arena, uh, it, it, it wasn't like a lion. They, you know, they moved in like a lamb as far as I'm concerned. Um, right off the top, 
something that really caught my eye is that you really have to watch your syncing because uh, I think the assumption would be, and particularly that like they have a desktop client, right? So you can, you know, download and install this desktop client and, uh, you know, have your, your drive contents there kind of on your desktop. And, uh, but what isn't really obvious, but you might, you know, uh, be under the assumption is that the things that are in that desktop client are not necessarily automatically synced. Right. And they're not real things. They're, they're shortcuts. Uh, like all your right. Google Docs you get, and it says it's for offline, and that's all exciting, but there's nothing offline about it. It's just a web shortcut to get to it. Uh, right. So it, it's, if, let's, you do make, if you do make offline changes there, if you don't have syncing turned on, those changes are not going to be synced up like you think they are. So there's some things there that you you have to do. You also have to turn on offline access. So there's a couple of things there that are not automatic that I think a lot of users are going to uh, assume. Yeah, the the one thing that I wanted to uh, point out, particularly for for anybody out there in an educational setting, if you have uh, like Google Apps for Domains, uh, my I'm the administrator of the account. My uh, Google Apps for for Domains switched over Friday or Saturday, uh, but none of my users are yet. That's coming though, and it, there's not an opt out option. Uh, so uh, Google Apps for for regular domains and Google Apps for education both are are moving. Uh, uh, I think on the same schedule. Uh, so your staff are going to be getting drive whether you want it or not there's not an option to turn it off and so what's going to happen is they're going to uh freak out and say where did my documents go it's not there anymore so uh i sent a an, an email to my staff today telling them that you know within the next few days you're going to see the word documents disappear and the word drive appear uh, and they're the same thing. But when you click on it, Google has changed the way it sorts. And I've been through this with with a couple of people. Christy was one of them, uh, who first time they logged into the drive, like, oh, my stuff is gone. I have no, it's all gone. No, it's still there. They've just changed the way it sorts. So you really need to let people know that they, they, they need to go in and go down to everything or all items, I think it is. And that's where all their stuff is. And then if you actually want it to show in Drive, you've got to drag stuff up to Drive, drag your folders and things up, which is stupid uh but that's the way it is so uh, people who don't well, intend and, and mark i want i wanted to interject there too is it's important that you actually do that because that goes back to the whole syncing thing if right. you don't do that then those documents won't necessarily uh sync yeah but so, my point was even if you don't don't intend to use the desktop client you don't want to use any of the syncing features you're not interested in having it on your desktop just your google apps uh environment has now changed and there's nothing you can do right. about it and all your stuff appears to have disappeared so good job, Google, on the user interface once again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I want to jump in on, uh, we really need to point out, I think it's prudent for us to point out that uh, Google Drive is not for the security conscious. Uh, you have to, uh, it, we can get very technical in this discussion, and I don't think we necessarily need to. If you're a techie, you probably understand this. But, uh, of course, you know, data going back and forth between you and Google is going to be encrypted uh, over a secure connection, and that's pretty standard. But what's different than what you'll find in a lot of uh, cloud solutions out there uh, is that, Many of them, and there's a wide range of security that they offer, but if you're really security conscious, you want a setup where your data is actually encrypted in some way or, or fashion on those servers that, that are being stored, uh, that they're being stored on. In Google's case, they are not at all. 
Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's really no protection uh, for your data there. Google has access to it. Um, now, I don't necessarily have a problem with some things. Uh, I actually, uh, I like the way that Google you know, sees some of my activities and, you know, uh, ads that are targeted at me and things like that. I don't mind that necessarily, but if you have something that's uh, sensitive, you you really need to understand that, that, you know, Google crawlers are crawling those documents and, uh, you know, they may be documents you don't want them to. And not only that, but they there's just zero encryption at all on the server side. All your base are belong to us. Right. Geeks out there got that. Right. Trust me. <laughs> but yeah, definitely important though. I mean, even if you're not, uh, you know, a tinfoil hat wearing, you know, geek, uh, you know, I think most people don't like the idea of, you know, their sensitive documents, things that have sensitive information about them or, or uh, whatever, uh, that any company or anybody out there has that, uh, that free access to it. Right. And there are other ways to go where you don't have to give companies that kind of access. And in typical Google fashion, it's going to start out rocky and end up excellent. So I, I believe it's going to be cool in the long run. But it's, there's just a lot of, there's UI that doesn't actually do anything yet. They, they went ahead and put the buttons and the, and the menus in there, but they don't do anything. Like, for example, right-clicking on the icon or left-clicking on the icon brings up the exact same menu. Um, and you can't double-click on it because then you just open the menu twice. You know, things like that. Uh, right. But they're going to get better. So that that's enough about Google Drive. Uh, when it, we, we may do an entire show on it later, but right now there's just not enough information. Uh, I, I just wanted to make sure that uh, if you're a Google Apps for uh, Domains or, or Apps for Education administrator, warn your staff, your users, that a change is coming. There's nothing you can do about it. It is going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. Actually, well, probably and, you before know, you hear this podcast. What, and that's another thing I don't like about the way they did uh, apps for domains is it it wasn't wide sweeping. It's not like they just turned it on for your whole domain. Right. They're you know, rolling it out. and get, that's the Right. So things. some of your users are picking it up here and there. It's real spotty. And uh, that that's horrible. I mean, I understand them doing that for uh, the, you know, the basic uh, community at large. But, uh, you know, if you're going to turn it on for a domain, turn it all turn it on at once, you know. Right. All right, so uh, moving on to the uh, actual topic at hand, I'm going to read excerpts from the forum post from Mike Masuk, M-A-S-U-K. I'm going to guess at that. Um, and this has been sort of uh, in the forums for a while and in my head for a while, and we, we haven't done a show about it, but I've been thinking about it. So I'm just going to read an excerpt of what he says. He says, let's lay out a scenario. We have a first grade teacher that comes down with the flu. Throughout the course of a typical day, she uses five interactive whiteboard lessons. Those are kept in her network storage like any good user should. Her computer is part of a domain in which she logs on to every day. Um, as such, her user account is inaccessible to anybody but the uh, administrators. The substitute comes into the classroom, and even if that uh, individual is capable of utilizing the technology and the lessons, they, they don't have any way of getting to it. So uh, there's a couple way you can do it. And he says one of his, uh, the scariest, I found uh, technically uh, capable teachers leaving their network log on as part of sub instructions. And uh, I've seen that too. So the sub goes about their day as the teacher, which uh, raises all kinds of things. So he basically saying, do you have a solution? Um, the short answer, Mike, is no, but we're going to talk a lot about it. So <laughs> here we go. 
let's let's look at uh, there's really th- uh, two categories of subs. And that's short-term subs and long-term subs. So the short-term sub is is this situation: the the one day, the uh, uh, or maybe two days. You know, somebody gets the flu, somebody's kid uh, comes down with a fever, and they call in at six o'clock that morning. I can't be there. So, uh, what are some ways to do that? And uh, one of them, and probably um, the uh, the most common one. Is what Mike said. Is you you just give the 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 teacher's password, or maybe you uh, change the teacher's password for the day. People have called me up and asked me, you know, can you change this teacher's password just for today? She's got a sub, and I always go, um, I really don't want to do that, um, <laughs> because there's good things. It gives them access to everything that teacher does. And the bad thing is it gives them access to everything that teacher does. All their their email correspondence, uh, their p- potentially personal stuff, uh, you know, things that may not necessarily be school related. Uh, and, I, and I heard Sean's voice being the corporate guy when I wrote this saying, well, there shouldn't be anything personal on there anyway. Deal with it. Well, no, but I mean, that's a true statement. But at the same time... Uh Give, I just don't agree ever in any situation that without a person's knowledge, you would give access to their accounts. Right. You just can't. I mean, it's, there's too much liability there, I think. Um, you know, if that teacher wants to do that, then that's that teacher's business. Uh, now, I say that. I mean, you know, there can certainly be policies that you want to put in place that say that that's not okay either. Right. But uh, I'm certainly not going to be the one saying, yeah, here's somebody's password. Never, ever. No, and it's it's an invasion, I think, from the teacher side. It's it's an invasion of my space. Because that one password you give, like for our district, that's going to get you into everything. That's going to get you on my computer. It's going to get you into my email, district-given email. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give you into everything. So now if I'm trying to access some of these from home, I woke up after, you know, I took my medication and it's like, okay, crap, I've got to go in there and get some emails done. Now you've also locked me out of my account. So now not only am I sick, but now I'm mad too. Congratulations. <laughs> and you have given them access to my emails that while they may not be personal, there's professional stuff that they don't need. They don't need my HR records. Maybe they just sent me a form because I have herpes and I don't need everyone knowing that. Maybe they just, my principal just said you had a terrible evaluation. Well, I don't need everyone knowing that either. My disclaimer, I do not have herpes and I did not need that evaluation. <laughs> yeah, and then well, there's Mark, where, Mark, where you're at, that's, I mean, you're in small town America. No, absolutely. I mean, there's no sub that isn't, you know, in just completely connected in the community. So that, that does raise a good point is that once that person finds out something sensitive, Everybody's going to know about well, it. Well, and, and let's not overlook the fact that that subs, the, the type of people who are subs are more, are the type of people who actually go actively looking for stuff like that. You give them access to an email account, they're going to sit there and read the email account. Um, right. You know, that's just kind of the way it is, particularly in a small town where I work. Uh, professionalism is not high on the list. It's more of a warm body. Can you, can you pull a fire alarm if the, the, the need arises? Good. You're in. Um, and also, I'm not entirely sure this is legal that, the, to do that. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not legal, but I'm, I don't, I'm not going to say that because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, but uh, giving access to somebody with or without their permission, even if the teacher signs off on it, says it's okay, I'm not sure that's legal. Because then you have the issues of, of what, whatever happens that day, how do you prove who did it? 
Um, and there's just kind of no way of of knowing what goes on there. And 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 so the next step is sort of something like that is is you change the password and you log on for them or you log in. Um, I've seen this done and it, it made me cringe. An administrator logged on as an as the administrator, because that way there wouldn't be anything that would get in the way, you know, because clearly then they'd be able to access anything they need um, with instructions like don't do this. Which means here's exactly what you should do now. But I was going to win an iPad too if I just clicked on there and installed that. (laughs) Wow. No, that's that's a a scary place. And I mean, you guys are the tech guys. You're you're those techie nerdy people. Do you really want teachers one who will give out their password? Because any other time or place, that's reason for dismissal or disciplinary inaction. And two. Do you, I mean, come on, Mark, you have your 365 day lease on that. I mean, how are you going to yeah, prove who right. did what if you're just up and changing passwords? Yeah, it's a, it's a bad thing. So, uh, you know, what's the next step? Uh, and, and what we do at our school, it, it's not ideal, but it's the way we sort of work around it. We have a generic substitute account that all subs use. And, and the subs know that account, you know, like, you know, the, the first day they work for us, they know that. Uh, and that's what they get to. It gives them basic access to shared shared, shared stuff. Uh, they can't get to any uh, anybody's personal data. They can't get anything to, into anything secure. But that presents some problems. Like, for example, uh, say we've got a big event and we've got seven teachers out because they're all going to a training. Well, I've got seven subs in, and for that uh, whole tracking issue – uh, there's no way to know which of them did what. I mean, technically, you could pull up IP logs or something like that. But when you have that situation, it cr- creates a great deal of ambiguity. Uh, but in in our situation, that's the way we've chosen to do it uh, for those short-term one-day subs is we have a, a generic account there. And Christy's teasing me in the chat for using big words. Ambiguity. Sorry, too many syllables. <laughs> Let me go back. Um, it ain't clear who done what. <laughs> okay so what what's what's the situation when you have star testing and you have two or three or five subs on campus and one of them does something tragically inappropriate now what well that's what i'm saying it's, that creates an issue uh you have to go uh spelunking through the logs and and hope you can find it but you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be very pie in the sky here and say, let's hope that you're hiring professionals who can behave as professionals. All right, now we can all laugh at that and move on. I, I was going <laughs> right. to say, have you seen the sub pool? Have you been a part of that? <laughs> I actually was well, a sub have, when I was in college. You, you don't even necessarily have to see the pool. I mean, if you just look at the requirements, and it, it varies widely breathing. from district to district. But, uh, I've only yeah, seen that, breathing as a requirement. That's, it. That's, that's often the case, yeah. So, yeah, breathing, uh, maybe no felonies. You know? <laughs> I've actually not seen that a couple of times. <laughs> I mean, while you're waiting on the background check, sometimes things happen, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. just saying. Well, Mark, I want to jump in here because this is, uh, we sort of do uh, a hybrid or in the middle there, but we, we actually do create user accounts for subs, uh, short-term or long-term. And uh, we just create those as a separate class of Active Directory accounts. So they do get some things, they don't get others. Um, 
so they have some limited access, but then they do have enough, you know, enough rights to perform their duties, so to speak. Um, and that seems to work out fairly well. Uh, you know, we have to think about time before there was technology. You know, if a teacher wants specific things to be available to a sub because you know, that teacher wants the sub to cover certain topics or, or whatever. Uh, the teacher is responsible for making that available. Yeah, but that's not fair. I mean, if, if I woke up puking, and I, there's no way I can plan for that. Yeah, well, there's no okay, way I can know that's going to happen. This is where I need Chrissy's input then because I've, I see it pretty widespread, and I can at least say that good teachers do it. Is Good teachers are prepared for that in, well in advance. And I, I got to go with Sean like on that one. Anyone can walk into my classroom and when they're going to see what I have planned, what I have going on, there's going to be at least one kid who's going to give them an honest answer of what we're doing. And my kids are going to direct you or I'm going to send you an email in between puking spurts that says, which by the way is something subs need access to is email, that says this is the link we're using. Because my stuff, it's not on my hard drive. And my stuff, it's not on a stupid flash drive that I'm going to lose in the bottom of the purse. My stuff is on the cloud and it's already been shared with my kids. So I don't get this whole idea that subs need access to all the resources and the network drives. And, mm -mm. You need competent teachers who have their stuff on the cloud, shared, ready to go at any time. I know, pie in the sky, I know, I know, but that's the ideal situation. And that is the ideal. And it, it, it presumes a certain amount of, of readiness on the school's part. I mean, not every school is jacked into the cloud not every school has that option a lot of a lot of schools try to do things locally uh, i know Nat, night stars in the chat room when he's been on before he said that you know they they have band their bandwidth impaired in a big way so they bring everything in house so they may have all those tools but it's behind an ad logon so it's you know the same problem arises so so then what's the problem with because you have a you essentially have a sub pool i mean we're not going out to like the city bus stop and saying, hey, you, you're the best dressed, come in the doors. So we, we have defined <laughs> these people of who they are. It's likely we probably, you know, maybe done a background check and have their fingerprints. So if you set up their own, you know, 80 OU or whatever, whatever you're running, and you put them all in there with their own, own accounts, why is that such a huge issue? Why is that a problem? I don't know that it is. Uh, I know. Okay, I can jump in with a little bit of answer, Mark, because I know that it can be, uh, it can be a hard thing to manage. Yes, overhead. So those, those, well, yeah, and well, not only that, but you know, those people are coming and going uh, oftentimes frequently. Uh, maybe not so much in your case, Mark, because again, you've got a small town. There's there's only so many people there that can actually do it at all. But uh, I can certainly imagine that if you're with a large district, that's got to be. Uh, quite a bear to to manage uh and if you have your have resources if you have your resources uh lined out by location so that the people at this campus have access to that people at this campus have access to that subs float sometimes even within the day so that gets to be difficult to manage but that's what i'm well, saying they don't fall into that campus structure they get their very own ou that says i am a sub i have access to the internet I mean, that, that's the extent of what they would hopefully need. So they don't have access to your network drives. They don't have access to all that other stuff, which hopefully is going by the wayside anyway. 
all they need is is those couple of pieces and they have that and you have your tracking in place you're you're following the law and you know who's logged in where and who's doing what yeah i have a I had a, a substitute call me recently we have a generic student account too the log on a student the password a student they pretty much have access to nothing uh it's just in you know for uh um you know bare uh emergency situations so apparently the the sub who is off is off, as is often the case is a parent of a student at the school uh just asked their kid how can i get on there the kid told him student student and then she called me up and said um i can't log on to this computer well what are you what are you trying to do and she told me i said well yeah in our school students can't log on to teacher computers so that's not an option you're trying to use a student account on a teacher computer you're not going to do it uh, so, you know, there, there may be things like that. And I, and I agree that uh, with forethought, you could have all these people uh, in ahead of time and, and give them all their own credentials. But um, like at my school, for example, uh, every time you log on to the domain for the first time, when I create an account, an email account is automatically created. Do I want to give people access to my school's uh, email account 365 days a year just because they have uh, are a member of, of my uh, staff three days a year? Right. No. So how do I fix that? I mean, then I have to go in and every day that they're on staff, I have to enable selectively or disable selectively that account, which, you know, in my case, we're dealing with a handful of subs, but in a big situation could be entirely unmanageable. So what if we looked at this from the machine point of view and not the user point of view? So like we have a pool of machines we use for telepaths and their image specifically for telepaths. You log in, you're taken to the website to do your telepaths testing. They have one generic login, one account. But what if something was done similar to where a sub comes in, she gets, or he gets lesson plans, signs the log or whatever, and there's five machines or 10 machines, whatever it is, the campus level that they would normally need subs for. And you've got the machine set to the restrictions instead of the user. Now what? Well, in my case, that would be completely unsustainable because I would have to have extra machines laying around and I, I just can't do that. I it's mean, like you work in education and there's no money, Mark. Yeah, I'm something confused. like that. Yeah. I mean, we every machine we have that's worth something is in place, and a lot of the ones that aren't worth something are in place. Uh, the, I mean, I couldn't. There's no way I could go to the taxpayers, the school board, and say, I want 10 $1,000 machines just set on the shelf in case we need them. There's just no way. So the chat room says, could you use... I'm reading the chat. Aren't you proud of me? Could you use a group policy attached to an OU? Which is what Sean was talking about. They do at his school, more or less. Right. And not only that, but uh, our our individual campuses, uh, typically this is handled by the campus secretary, has the ability to create those accounts. So you can have a new sub come in that has never been a sub before. It's their first time. And the secretary can you know, within just a couple of, of minutes, have them set up with an account, they're ready to go for the day. Um, so, and that's not a problem. And then of course you, you manage uh, through, through the active directory policies, you know, what they can do. And so that's the part that we manage as a tech department and, and through policy is what they actually have the ability to do. And the campuses can go ahead and set up the accounts because honestly, we cannot possibly manage that. Yeah, I, I agree that that's probably the way to do it and probably the way I should be doing it. But it requires a, a degree of uh, communication 
between the campuses and the tech department that has never happened in, in the 15 years I've been in the business. You know, the principals don't tell me who their subs are ever. Uh, and so we'd have to create an entire layer of administrative structure to make sure that happened. And, and that would be great, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Right, okay. right. Well, and your, your situation is small enough that, you know, maybe it's not even necessary. Uh, you know, uh, there certainly are different situations, uh, you know, all the way across the board in different districts. And, uh, you know, I've been there, Mark. I've seen what you got going on there, and uh, it seems to work for you. Hey, Christy, you were going to say something? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, no, I was going to say, and the reason that you don't know who's coming in is because I've been at the office at 7.30 or 7.15 in the morning, and they're still scrambling trying to find subs. So this isn't, you know, it's like you said, someone wakes up puking. It's not a planned out thing. But this whole discussion, I mean, in a, a non-pie-in-the-sky world, it's kind of funny because I've never personally ever, ever, walked into a class besides my own and seen sub plans that were hand out this packet of worksheets at nine o'clock and this packet of worksheets at 10 o'clock. And if I'm not here, well, my neighbor friend, she's just going to run off a bunch of worksheets before school starts and she's going to have you hand those out anyway. Yeah. So, so th that, that's what the next point I had in, line, uh, in the notes as we were walking by. The last one is admit that they're just crowd control who don't actually do anything and forget about this whole mess. Yeah, make sure they have a, a working CD-ROM or <laughs> <Yeah>. VCR. <laughs> yeah, as long as they can show that movie, then we're good. Right. And and that's a cynical point of view, but, but it's probably the most realistic point of view, too. Instead of going through all this stuff for these short-term guys, just admit that no learning will take place that day. Uh, and, and don't even pretend otherwise. That makes me popular among the principals in the administrator set when I say that. <laughs> they can't admit that. Yeah. Uh, and so that moves us on to the uh, the next category of subs, and that's your long-term subs. And I'm classifying long-term as somebody who's going to be there a week or more. Uh, you know, somebody is injured uh, and, and is bedridden. Somebody gets pregnant, you know, and takes uh, maternity leave. Uh, you know, uh, the, you know, there are a lot of men who do that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, or, you know, for whatever reason, let's say somebody is going to be out for a week or more. And so they need they need somebody in their room for a long a long period of time, uh, and so those are long term terms. Those are different rules. Hopefully, they're a higher caliber of individual. They're actual teachers and not just crowd control. Hopefully, and they usually are because anything that is that long term, short of you know Bob got in a tragic car accident yesterday and he's in the hospital with seven hundred broken bones. That aside, it is planned like in advance. Right. So then they're not scrambling for a sub or pulling somebody off the street at seven 30. Then it's, it's one more planned. And for all the heck we give administration, they're usually more of a part of that long-term sub. They have some kind of say in it. It's like you said, it's a former teacher, a retired teacher. It's a professional of some sort. It's a consultant. It's someone that, I mean, I don't want to come down on subs because there's some fabulous ones out there, but it, it's someone that's generally more of a professional or or more included in the education family. Right. So they are going to be a little different. And, and in the case of somebody, uh, like, for example, uh, a tragic thing happened at my school and a teacher was killed in a car accident. So we, we brought in the short-term, do you have a pulse sub for a couple of days while we sorted out 
the long-term situation. Then we brought somebody in to finish the school year. So that's where you, in that situation, you literally have both situations. You have the long, the short-term transitioning into the long-term. And yeah, that's when you want somebody with some credentials and then they're going to be doing their own lesson plans. They're going to, you know, maybe for that first week, they're going to be uh, following what the original teacher had. But after that, they're going to be doing their own lesson plans and doing things their own way and having their own level of evaluations and however that works. And, and that's where your change is made because now you have this whole responsibility and accountability part, not just, not just for the sub, you know, like what are they doing are they on Facebook or whatever. They're making the plans. They're the professional and they have suddenly become responsible and accountable for the student. What are their grades? What are their attendance? You know, they're holding parent teacher conferences. So that's all changed. They're more, they're more of a permanent employee. They're going to answer to the principal, whereas a short-term sub, they may never even meet a principal. But these have an, they have an answer. They have a reputation, I guess I would say. But it's all about accountability. So now they're just like another teacher. Right. Nothing's changed. We have a, at my school in particular, uh, the high school where I work, there's a man who retired about four years ago and has been at school every day since. Um, he just never left. But now instead of being in the classroom, he's a sub. Anytime they need a sub, they call him. So he's, he's one of us. He's, he's one of our, uh, our people. Uh, we trust him. We trusted him for 30 years, uh, 40 years, however long it was while he taught. And now he just comes in and, and fills the blanks. And, and every school is going to have that sort of thing, but there's a shortage of that kind of people. You're not going to have a huge pool of those, of those people that you can draw from. So you, you run into that situation where your long-term sub, you, you definitely give them an account. And you probably don't even make a distinction between their account and a regular teacher's account. But what I do is, it's like, okay, what's the day this teacher is coming back from maternity leave? All right, that's the expiration date on this login. So the day that teacher is supposed to come back, without me having to think about it, that account gets logged, uh, expired, all access to email goes away, and that sort of thing. And, and if, if the plans don't work out, I can easily change that later. But that's the way I do it. I give them an account with an expiration date. Most of my staff doesn't have an expiration date. Just the ones I don't like. You're so mean. You're just mean. <laughs> I am. I'm an evil, he, evil person. He couldn't wait. To click that button on my account. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you kind of circled around the, the real core issue, and that's, I'm not going to get all teachery on you, but that's the trust thing. I mean, it's an ongoing battle between teachers and tech and admin and teachers and admin and technology. We all have this trust issue, and if we have it with our quote-unquote own family, our own full-time people... Holy moly, when we bring in somebody from the outside, oh, well, they're not even exposed to all the, the gossip around here. They certainly can't be trusted. They might go tell somebody what we're really doing. So I think that's that's kind of the key, Mark, is that whole trust component. If we have enough trusting the professionals that we've all been hired together, good God, when we bring in an outsider, we just need to pray for them every right. day. Well, and one of the things that I've always said is we trust these people with the most valuable asset available. That's our children. So, uh, you know, it, it makes me nuts when I hear tech directors, the tech Nazis, as I call them, who who uh, treat their their teachers like like children. And, and, you know, they can't be trusted with this power. I have to I have to lock everything down. They don't have any ability to do anything. So you put these people in a room with your children and your grandchildren, but you don't trust them. There's a real problem there. So you either trust them or you don't. And so if you can trust them with 24-year-olds, you can trust them with a computer. 
Well said. That's Preach my, on, brother. That's my soapbox for the day. <laughs> Mark, I think it's I think it's important to kind of uh, throw this in there on the end is, uh, you know, from a technology standpoint, uh, as much as you can, you don't want to be the one in the decision-making process about this. I mean, you want to be an advisor. Make sure that the everybody who's actually should be making these decisions is well-informed. They understand the different types of accounts and what kind of accesses that you're giving people. And, uh, you know, that it's an education and classroom management uh, topic, and the educators need to be making those decisions. Yeah, I had a conversation, and I won't use any names, but and I'm pretty sure this person isn't listening, so I'm not worried about that. But I con- had a conversation recently with uh, uh, a, a colleague uh, who was uh, going on and on about uh, how he chooses – who gets what technology, you know, he chooses where the budget is spent. He chooses who gets to do what. And some of his pet teachers have these rights and others don't. And the whole time I was grinding my own teeth into powder thinking that this is not only amazing arrogance, but it's, it's malfeasance. It's, it's poor execution of your job. And, and, and when, when I couldn't handle it anymore, I said, so this is your job. You were hired to do this. It's in your job description to do this and and he kind of stammered and said well no but my superintendent has asked me to do that i said then you should quit because you are doing a job you were not hired nor are you qualified to do and i would not work at that job sorry second soap soapbox but you have you have principles mark i have three of them high school middle school and elementary <laughs> i knew you were going there <laughs> but um Wow. Just wow. That's all I got to say. <laughs> so that's, I'm getting heckled for the big words. I'm sorry. I, malfeasance is only three syllables. It's not a big word. <laughs> you have gone outside and talked to some of the people on your street, right? I mean, that's been an experience you've enjoyed. I lived in East Texas. I can say that. And you were like way north up in East yeah. Texas. It only gets bad up there. I, just a quick aside. Uh, when I, I've studied languages, uh, Spanish, French, I, I, you know, the in every language, when you're learning a language, they, they have what you call an active vocabulary and a passive vocabulary. Active are, are the words that you can use. Passive are the words that you understand but you can't use. And I've come to realize that the words I use are all, almost always in everybody's passive vocabulary, but not necessarily their active vocabulary. They wouldn't think to use it, but they understand it or can at least piece it together in context. Sean, help me. I don't feel so smart no more. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent half of the time that I was around Mark just, yeah, trying to piece all the words together. <laughs> okay, what does he mean? <laughs> Little pocket dictionary, looking it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See, the nice thing is, though, you don't even have to use them right because nobody knows. Oh, yeah, sure. Just, yeah. yeah. It was complete turpitude. <laughs> <laughs> I got turpitude all over my shoes. <laughs> all right. This show has officially gone into the trash can. <laughs> Christy, are you glad you came on for this highbrow conversation? I'm so excited. Please, there was no sausage. This is a good night. <laughs> all right. So I think that uh, wraps us up for this discussion and I'm going to go ahead and, and send Christy on her way. This was a, uh, a last minute thing and I know she needs to get back to tending to her family. So Christy, thanks for being with us and uh, we'll wrap up the show after you leave. 
Thank you guys and good night. Good night. Thanks, Christy. Good. She's gone. We can talk bad about her now. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I mentioned it uh, briefly, but uh, uh, Christy is the host of one of the other shows on the network. It was previously called The Tightwad Teacher. Uh, that show has, uh, shall we say, morphed from its original uh, implementation. It's not what it used to be. Uh, so uh, as of this week, it is now known as the Edumatters podcast, where we talk about all things education. She is our lead host on that. And I encourage you to check it out over at elementop.com. And also, uh, since we probably don't have the greatest wealth of teachers listening to our show, <laughs> if you do know and love some teachers out there, uh, point them in the direction of that podcast because uh, it's a good one. All right. And so, Sean, what is our uh, teacher tip of the week, speaking of teachers? All right. I'm excited about this one. Uh, the teacher tip this week is weblist.me. So this is a website where you can create personal lists of uh, browser-based content. Uh, now, the way I, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, usually I kind of go out there and find these types of things uh, on my own and it's somewhat of a search. But this one happened, uh, I was working on a lab at one of my campuses and the uh, the teacher there uh, in that lab, he he's a he's a coach. This is at an elementary. He's a coach. He does like the gym type stuff. And then when he's not doing something in the gym, he's teaching uh, periods of instruction in the lab. So he'll he'll work kids through things uh, generally on the web. But I saw him. Uh, you know, we're talking about younger kids, and it can be very difficult when you get into you get a classroom full of young kids, and you say okay, I want you to open a browser and type in this web address. Uh, it, it, it can pretty much just about be impossible, uh, depending on what age group you're, you're dealing with. But what he does is he just has the kids sit down and they're trained at this point, especially this point in the year. They sit down and they immediately go to this site, weblist.me, and he actually has a personalized list. So he can go on there and he's got all of his educational sites set in there. And uh, they're just uh, like thumbnail images, and the kids can very easily uh, go to one side or the other. Uh, what's really neat about this is it's it's so customizable. Uh, you you don't just list websites; uh, it can handle images, text, documents, videos, um, and files. So you could actually even kind of almost host a uh, a, a long-term sort of period of instruction, you know, something that the kids could be coming working through actually over the course of weeks um, if you put all of the different content into this. And, uh, you know, you can go in and create text documents. So you can imagine that you could have, hey, I want you to review this uh, such and such on this website. And then uh, you give them a text document that gives them some directions to now watch this video. Now I want you to do this. So you can actually uh, sort of use it as a quasi content management system uh, on the lower end. So again, remember, we're talking about younger kids. Um, 
you can make these lists private or public. So you can make private lists that you only give that link out to those students. So it sounds a lot like live binders in a lot of ways. It, it is very much like live binders and there's other, there's other tools out there like it, but it's much more simplified. And uh, again, that's why I say it's better for the younger kids. Uh, the older kids would probably appreciate it too. Cause it's, it's dead simple. But uh, you know, when you've got a, a, a whole classroom full of uh, second graders and you, you know, you need to direct them through some web content. Uh, it's a wonderful way to do it. Uh, so check it out. It's weblist.me. All right. And for our tech tip this week, I actually have one this week. Um, and it's a, it's a new one. I, I can say I haven't actually tested it. I usually, I try to always test the stuff that I link here, but uh, I haven't this time, it, but it does come to me from a reliable source. And it's the IOBit uninstaller. Um, there are lots of uninstallers in the world that uh, scrub software uh, that that the regular uninstaller leaves behind. My personal favorite is the Revo uninstaller, but it's getting a little long in the tooth and doesn't really uh, work as well in Windows 7 as it used to in, in Windows XP and Vista. So the IOBit uninstaller is a free uh, web uninstaller that, uh, as I understand, is high quality. That's all I can say about it. I haven't used it. So uh, check that out and uh, let me know one way or the other. All right. Well, um, I've... Uh Almost forgotten about a couple of things, uh, and I'll thank the chat room for reminding me about one of them. Uh, uh, back to that uh, weblist.me, uh, if you're interested in taking a look, there's plenty of lists, pre-made public lists out there that you can go check out. But I did, in my research for the show, make one uh, for this uh, for the show, so it's weblist.me slash element hyphen opie. So if you want to check out uh, the one, I tried to integrate as many of the features as possible into that list. Uh, the other item... Mark, is it's almost May 1st, and uh, if you have not, well, you know, I guess this only goes to our live listeners, because if you're listening to this now, uh, which would be Thursday, what, what is that, the second, Mark, something like that? Yes. Uh, so, uh, if you're listening to this uh, post-production or post-editing, uh, then the nominations are closed, but get out there and nominate your favorite form of bacon, your bacon products, whatever, uh, anything bacon related, get into the forum. There's a uh, bacon bracket uh, forum topic and uh, get your nominations in because uh, there's a handful of them out there. And probably what I'm going to end up doing is we're going to end up with like a uh, maybe 16, but uh, maybe even eight part bracket and you remember uh, when we had the spring sellout contest that turned into the summer and the late fall and right. the early well, I'm may not, i'm not i am not doing that okay <laughs> so uh so uh come hell or high water so to speak it's <laughs> going to happen so uh after the first i will uh, i'll close it uh, we'll we'll call it uh 11 on the first but anything that you know anything that comes in prior to that that's fine and then uh Anything, uh, you know, if we have open slots, let's say we have, you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever, then I'll probably go out there and grab some interesting ones and fill it in and make it call it 16. And then we'll uh, we'll move on to voting rounds. So if you are listening to this, we'll probably already be in the voting round, the first voting round. So I'll get a bracket filled in and up on the on that forum post and uh, you can look it over and uh, vote appropriately for your favorite bacon-related products. And, Sean, where is the place that these wonderful things happen? You can find that and so much more at elementopi.com. 
dot com. Nice you try, like that? kid. Keep working. On <laughs> I was trying to wear my daddy's shoes. <laughs> elementop.com is the home pl- uh, base of this and other podcasts as i mentioned the uh, the edu matters podcast we also have a few others check them out um please do us a favor and if you are an itunes user if you know an itunes user uh go and rate us on itunes comment uh, if you want to but just having a rating gets us noticed and the fact is that most people uh, come to us, even though we're uh, you know a tech, uh, a Linux-heavy, uh, cheapskate network. Most of our traffic still comes from iTunes. So the the the, the best thing you could do to help us uh, get known better is to simply rate us in iTunes. Ideally, rate us like four or five stars. But even if you just rate us one star, just getting a rating helps. Don't rate us one star. Um, so go in and give us a rating in iTunes and, and help us get it uh, noticed. It, it won't take much on the tech podcast. We could probably get on the first page with like uh, 30 or 40 ratings. Honestly, that's all it would take to get us on the right. first page of the tech podcast. We have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who listen to this show. And I think right now we have about seven ratings. So please go out there and take a few minutes, load up that crappy bloated beast of a software called iTunes and uh, and suffer through it. Show us that you love us by rating us on iTunes. Yes, do it, people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, get and as always, get over to our website. There's so many ways that you can contact us. We used to rattle them all off, but you know, just go to the site and you can figure out you know many one of the many ways to get it, get a hold of us. Uh, we do appreciate it. We have many of our listeners that forward us. Uh, various stories and uh, show ideas. Uh, Mark, I do want to throw this one out there. Is uh, May is coming up uh, very quickly, and I don't have a listener spotlight lined up. So uh, I was kind of living large there for the past few months, and I had them lining up, and that was really nice. But uh, need to get another one lined up for May, and uh, ideally even June. So uh, if you haven't been on the show, or maybe you've done one in the past and it's been a while, uh, contact me, Sean at elementop.com, and I'll. Get you scheduled. I just got an email today from somebody who will uh, uh, remain uh, nameless. Who said that his wife gave him permission to be on the show. So we may have we may have that one already lined out now that he has spousal approval to do a podcast. Oh, good, good, okay. <laughs> so that's it, folks. I don't, I'm out of stuff. There's only one thing left to be said. Great show. And having said that, I will say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.